0: Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.
1: Hello and welcome to the Multiple Myeloma Hub Podcast. Today, we'll be hearing from Graham Jackson of Newcastle University in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, UK, and Philippe Moreau of CHU de Nantes in Nantes, France. Hello, my name is Graham Jackson. I'm a consultant hematologist at the Northern Centre for Cancer Care in Newcastle in the UK. Uh,
0: Hello, my name is uh, Philippe Moreau. Uh, and I'm a hematologist uh, working at the University Hospital of Nantes in France.
1: Hi Philippe, so we've got the 10 minutes to discuss if maintenance after induction therapy reduces therapeutic options that relapse, is it still worth it? So I was going to start Philippe by just going through the evidence, we have some major trials that really support revlimid maintenance until progression. We of course have the CalGB study and your own IFM study and both of those were placebo controlled uh, with the intention to give revlimid until progression. We also have the myeloma 11 study which was also a slightly different revlimid regime, but again was to give revlimid until progression. And as we know then Philip McCarthy put together a really nice meta-analysis and all the data points to Revlimid maintenance um, improving progression-free survival by about 20 to 30 months. Um, and the meta-analysis, the CalGB study and our study show an overall survival advantage. Of course, there are a number of unanswered questions around uh, Revlimid maintenance, but it is the only approved therapy Uh, for the maintenance strategy and and of course we have some very good maintenance questions coming up in future studies such as your own cassiopeia study but for now I would say that Revlimid maintenance is the only maintenance that is approved it is until relapse but then we have to ask the question Philippe how are we going to treat patients when they come to relapse when they're Revlimid refractory
0: uh, yes, uh, Graham, you're perfectly right, in fact. And uh, since we are using frontline stem cell transplantation as the standard of care in Europe, uh, many, many uh, patients eligible for stem cell transplantation are going to progress on lenalidomide. Uh, and uh, the issue is how I treat, what is the best option for those patients progressing on len? And we have different uh, uh types, in fact, of relapse, we have very aggressive relapse on lenalidomide. And definitely we need to switch from len to other agents and to other combinations. But we also have those patients with a biochemical relapse, Uh, the disease is slowly progressing without any clinical symptoms. And uh, in uh, this case, some of us are increasing the dose of len from 10 to 25 milligrams per day. Uh, with the addition of DEX, uh, with full-dose LEN DEX. And we also have a phase two study coming from the Netherlands indicating that you could add as well, cyclophosphamide on top of lenalidomide with this LEN uh, cycloregimen in order to salvage patients. But uh, to my opinion, uh, patients in this setting are all of them refractory to LEN. So definitely we need to find the best option and uh, wh- what is your preferred option in this setting? Are you uh, using a CD38 antibody systematically? Are you uh, trying to use proteasome pro- uh, inhibitor based regimen systematically as well?
1: So in the UK, Philippe, we have a choice between either uh, carfilzomib and dexamethasone or the DARA-VD regime. So we have a non-imid, either triplet or uh, proteasome inhibitor doublet, so those are our choices. So we would definitely uh, switch away from uh, an IMID-based regime for second-line therapy.
0: Uh, I fully agree. I think the logical option is to switch from an IMID to a PI-based regimen, and you are indicating two very effective regimen, the Kd uh, Carfield x based on the Endeavor study, uh, and uh, the DARA-VD, based on the, the CASTOR study, in fact. But uh, when looking carefully at the data with these two uh, red uh, combinations, in fact, uh, to my opinion, they are suboptimal. Because when looking at the group of patients, LEN refractory, uh, first relapse, KD or DARA-VD, we have very, very few data, in fact, and uh, the number of patients enrolled into these two trials and they with KD. Uh, DVD with Castor are very small uh, uh, when patients were land refractory and the median PFS is definitely less than one year. So I think that maybe we could find other combinations and we do have some data, for example, with this uh, POM-dex-bortezomib, the PVD regimen based on the optimism study. Uh, You are never using this combination?
1: We, 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 we. We do use it, but often in the third and fourth line setting, and I agree with you, the, the data from optimism in the lenalidomide refractory group is, is really very impressive and, and not many agents have been looked at in this truly Revlimid refractory uh, group it. of patients. So yeah. the optimism data, I, I would agree, is, is, makes PVD seem a very attractive regime for len refractory patients.
0: Definitely. And Thanos Dimopoulos uh, did publish a sub-analysis, you know, on, of uh, optimism, focusing on first relapse, LEN refractory patients, showing that the median PFS was 18 months. So I think that if we can use pom uh, according to drug access and uh, reimbursement, uh, I think that's not a bad, a bad option. The other options that are now available are KD-based plus a CD38 antibody. And we have the CANDOR data with KD-Daratumumab. And recently, uh, the uh, CHMP uh, um, uh, proposed a favorable opinion for KD plus izatuximab uh, based on the Ikema study. So we have these two options. And when looking at the progression-free survival, obviously, uh, only one third of the patients into these two trials, uh, CANDOR and Ikema, were LEN refractory. But the PFS seems to be really above 24 months. Uh, and I think that that's also better options as compared with KD alone, for example. Uh, do you think that you will have access, or that, that could be a good choice for our patients? Uh,
1: certainly, I, I would agree with the anti-CD38 uh, combinations. And as you say, the we, we there is the Dara, DARA-POMDEX Apollo study and there's the Isotuximab-POMDEX study, the Icaria study. And we actually can use isopomdex. And, and, and you're right, we should absolutely be using really good regimes at first relapse, which include anti-CD38 antibodies. And as you say, the Candor study, uh, the Apollo study, and the Acarius study, they're really nice uh, data sets showing in refractory patients that you can achieve really good PFS.
0: That, that's it, Infragram. I think that we, we have now, in fact, two platforms, uh, pomdex-based, or KD-based, and we can have KD-DARA, kd is toximab, or PD-Daratumumab, as you mentioned, the Apollo study. PD-DARA is not yet approved by EMA, but uh, in the future will probably be approved. And POMDEX-izatuximab, toximab is already approved, but that's that's mostly for patients with the two prior lines of treatment. That's not first relapsed and refractory. And we have this POMDEX-bortezomib, more simple, Uh, and potentially cost-effective. So these are the options. But definitely, we need to move to triplet combinations, if possible, uh, I think, for the future.
1: I I think you're so right. And I I, I want to come all the way back, before we finish, to to a very important point you make about how we define Reblamid refractoriness. Because um, if you're relapsing on a 10-milligram schedule, maybe 21 out of 28 days, or even 28 out of 28 days, Apart from those aggressive relapses that you talked about, you will make a really important point that we shouldn't call someone Revlimid refractory until we make sure that they are truly refractory to full-dose Revlimid.
0: Agree, agree. So, well, thank you, Graham. I think that was a very interesting discussion on new options uh, uh, for this group of patients that is definitely increasing now in, in, in Europe.
1: It, it's always good to talk to you, Philippe, about these things, and uh, I always enjoy your wisdom.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Graham.
1: Thank you for listening to the Multiple Myeloma Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters, Sanofi, Abvi, Bristol Myers Scrib, Genentech, GSK, Roche and Amgen.
0: Multiple Myeloma Hub podcasts. Brought to you by Scientific Education Support.